Hello, and welcome to the Love Your Work Life podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Shuck. Whether you're going for that next promotion, looking for a job, or making a career pivot, I'll teach you how to navigate it all so you can have the career you want. Welcome to Love Your Work Life, episode 116. I'm inspired today by a book that I keep reading over and over again. It's called How to Be Here by Rob Bell. One of the things he talks about early in the book is the blank page. It's that moment where you are sitting at the computer and you've got the document open and the cursor is blinking, right? And it doesn't really matter if it's on the computer or if it's a thought in your mind about an idea that you have. You are about to do something new, create something new, and it is a blank page. Now, many of us kind of face the blank page and then quickly move away. And last week I talked about how to stay motivated. But today I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into the process, into the way we can face the blank page. So maybe this is the prequel to last week's episode. Now, oftentimes when we're faced with a new idea, we're faced with something we want, we're faced with that blank page, The question that comes into our minds is, who are you to do this? What an unhelpful question our brains serve up to us. And if we don't recognize it for what it is to help us stay safe, then we will rob ourselves of some really amazing opportunities of fulfilling our potential in ways that we never imagined. So this who are you to do this is a question that can be addressed when you think about your own self-image. How good do you feel about yourself? What image do you have of yourself? It's really interesting because we can't outperform our self-image. Our self-image in many ways is the ceiling to our capacity. One of the things that was a guiding principle when I was leading my teams over the years is that people will rise to the level of expectation that you set for them. And this is true of you too, my friend. What are you expecting of yourself? Your expectations of yourself are aligned with your self-image. Teams that don't think they can accomplish much have a group self-image. So as a manager, my goal was to continue to set expectations that would show them that I believed they were capable of rising to that level. My image of them was higher than their own image of themselves, but they would rise to it because that was my expectation. So 
when you focus on what you aren't, what you don't have, whether that's skills, talents, knowledge, you know, the things that you've convinced yourself aren't yours, that you don't have the capacity for that. It's a clue that your self-image is capped off. The great thing is, is that you can set new expectations for yourself to increase your self-image. Ask yourself good questions like, what am I good at? Find the things that you're already good at. Sometimes, and this happens a lot when I'm coaching people in their um, career moves or to get out of toxic workplaces, they have minimized what they're good at either because it's so routine that they don't think about it anymore or they've been so beat down that it's hard to find the things that that you're good at. So it doesn't really matter which one of these circumstances is causing you to not see your goodness, the talent, skills, and strengths that you have. The key is starting to ask yourself, what am I good at? Now, if that is not a question that's easily answered, then put a little twist on it and ask yourself, if I did know what I was good at, what would those things be? It's a way to kind of hack into your brain past that initial mental block and find a way, a creative way to get into the answers that you're looking for. Another question to ask is, what could I be good at? This is a fascinating question because lots of times there are things that you are dismissing because you don't have any experience with it or you have limited exposure to it, but they are interests. They are things that you're curious about attached to something that is likely to be a strength, even if it's an underdeveloped strength. So say you have yourself ranked in skills, knowledge, strengths, abilities, whatever it is, uh, on a scale from one to 10. It seems kind of logical that we would want to focus on our threes because gosh, if if we could just make that weakness into a strength, we would be so much more capable. But the reality is, is that no matter how much effort we put into it, we will only increase something by two or three points on that scale. So even if you put all your energy into improving your three, the most improvement you're going to get out of it is taking it from a three to a five or six, which means average, which is mediocrity. Your better efforts are put into what could I be good at, at the things that you're kind of already a five or six. Because you could take a six to an eight or a nine. You could take a five to a seven or an eight. And your strengths are the things that will catapult you forward with much greater intensity and traction and momentum than moving something from weakness to average. So think about that when you're answering these questions. What am I good at? 
And what could I be good at? What is a six for me that I could, with some effort and energy and time and investment, I could move to a seven, an eight, a nine. So cool. All right, the next thing that oftentimes happens when we're contemplating that blank page is, why should I even try? And this comes into play because you're comparing yourself with other people. You're comparing yourself with what they've accomplished. And if you know anything about your reticular activating system, a great piece of brain physiology that helps us, the more you focus on your idea, the more likely it will be that you see other people that are doing the thing that you want to do. Because your brain is now opening up blocks in your brain so that you can see those things. But the danger of that is when you start seeing those things and comparing yourself to them. I love the way Rob answers this question of why should I even try? Because he says, you, you in quotes, hasn't been attempted before. Now, what this means is in this very moment, in this thing that you're wanting to do, you've never done it before. The you that is required to do that thing has not existed yet. And that's okay, because that is everybody's situation. Even if you're repeating a familiar task, it's different in this moment than it was the last time you did it, because the knowledge, value, and experience that you've accumulated is going to inform what you do this time. Everybody starts with a blank page. Everybody starts with nothing. The people who have written books before still face a blank page, still have to come up with something from nothing. The um, artists who go out on stage, even if they've been on tour for weeks and weeks and weeks, it's still a blank page because they've never performed those songs in front of that audience before. The unique characteristics and vibe and energy from that particular audience is going to be different. This should take the pressure off. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else, and you don't even need to compare yourself to yourself. Because when we compare ourselves to other people, we rob ourselves of joy, happiness, and fulfillment because we are comparing what we know about ourselves with what we don't know about someone else because we really don't know. Whoever you are and whatever work you do, no one has ever lived your life with your particular challenges, your possibilities. You are unique in this world and everything that's going on in relation to you is unique as well. This blank page, this thing you're contemplating, remember this. We create something from nothing. 
It doesn't matter if it's a school, a business, a painting, if it's a business strategy, or a brainstorming session with your team. It didn't exist, and then it did exist. Because someone, you, brought it into existence. It all comes from nothing. Gosh, what what a great equalizer. What a way to take the pressure off yourself. I love it. The third thing in this blank page equation is asking yourself this question. Turn the tables. Who am I not to do this? Think about all of the big movements. I think of things like um, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. That one just pops into my head. It was born out of a tragic situation. Likely, the thought was, someone should do something about this. Followed up by, who am I not to do this? There's that space where you get to decide if you are the one who should do something about this. If you're not facing someone should do something about this, then other ways that you can explore who am I not to do this is to follow your interests, follow your curiosity, explore possibilities. Think about the things that make you happy at work. What are the things that you do in any part of your life where you kind of lose time? You get into the flow and time just passes so quickly and it's enjoyable and effortless. Tap into those things, write those things down. It's about getting a deeper understanding of the things that you enjoy and then connecting those to skills, to experience, and especially to how you are wired and what makes you tick as a person. It's why I love, love, love all of the assessments that are out there to help you discover how you're wired, what your behavioral traits are. The personal dynamics report that I use in my um, coaching practice offers a very comprehensive description of behavioral strength traits And this isn't about personality. This is about you, how you're wired, the intrinsic, natural behavioral strengths you have. When you tap into those, then what you will find, or when you're you're aware of those and you understand what makes you tick, you're able to connect the dots between what makes you tick and what you enjoy. That's why it's so powerful. That's why investing in yourself and having a deeper understanding of yourself from the inside out will help you follow those curiosities, help you eliminate something that's a shiny object, and then go deeper into things that are truly aligned with your capacity. Once you have that figured out, 
what are the, what are the words I'm looking for? Let it gestate. <laughs> let it let it let it ferment. You I think you get where I'm headed with this. You want to let it roll around, tumble around in there to the point where you start creating a picture of what it would look like to have that, to achieve that. Because vividness and imagination are key components to accomplishing anything. Now, when you add a third element to it, emotion, you feel the emotion of achieving it and you get yourself emotionally involved in that vivid picture, uh, you'll elevate your energy and you'll elevate your belief. That will also add to the creativity and actions and ideas that will become part of you filling in the blank page. Now, the way this has worked for me in the past is that starting a project or, you know, deciding that I was ready for a promotion, whatever it was, I started visualizing what it would be like if I had it. When I was a manager and I wanted to get a promotion to be a buyer, I observed the things buyers were doing and I started imagining and visualizing myself doing those things. Another way that this has shown up in my life then and now is when I'm doing presentations. All the while I'm creating the deck, I am also visualizing myself giving the presentation what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. It all starts to to be part of the entire presentation and I'm rehearsing it over and over as I tweak and change the entire process. I love I love the entire process of creating a presentation as much as I love giving the presentation. But by the time I give it, I visualized myself doing it so many times that I can be relaxed, I can be in the moment, and I can respond to the energy in the room and even ad-lib some things. Because I am so well rehearsed and I visualized it so clearly in my mind, I've got space for that kind of creativity in the moment. And an interesting story (laughs) along these lines is, I was an art major in college And I took art history classes and I loved, you know, loved learning about art for sure. But I, what I thought was so cool was the professor standing on a stage in an auditorium and then showing slides on a giant screen. And I had this thought, man, I would love to do that. Now I wasn't necessarily saying I would like to be a college professor and stand on a stage and talk about art, I was thinking that would be really cool to stand on a stage and have big slides and present to a large room of people. Now, as I went through my career, I had many opportunities to present to small groups, to large groups, um, teaching classes and teaching teams, um, presenting and telling stories visually and with words just became part of who I was um, and the way I operated. 
And I know for sure it's because that seed was planted when I was in college. That wouldn't that be a cool thing to do? And because it resonated with me, my brain and my career and my experiences found ways to express that that desire, that idea. Now, I also got into a job, long story, but suffice to say, a very sudden change happened. I was promoted into a role that I never, ever expected. And this role required a presentation on a big stage with a big screen in front of 700 to 1,000 people. And my initial response when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm now going to be the one giving that presentation was this little tiny moment of anxiety. And then for the first time in years and years and years, I remembered sitting in that auditorium in college and thinking, hey, that would be a cool thing to do. And as soon as I remembered, oh my gosh, this is it. This is me doing that thing I envisioned so many years ago. My friends, our brains are powerful. We all have a blank page. We all have doubts and fears and questions like, who am I to do this? And why should I even try? But I challenge you to change the narrative, to start asking yourself, who am I not to do this? It's the perfect question to ask yourself and then start exploring the possibilities that will fill your blank page. And I'll say one last thing. If you lack any belief in yourself, I can tell you without reservation that I believe in you. And the reason I believe in you is because I have tested these things over and over and over again. When you give yourself permission to go for what you want, to fill that blank page by raising your self-image, by realizing that there is no comparison to you in the world, and by asking, why not? You can achieve amazing things that you never imagined possible. All right, my friends, go out there and believe in yourself. Take the first steps to filling that blank page. Talk to you next time. If you like this podcast, I invite you to visit the Love Your Work Life website at elisashuck-careercoach.com. On the site, you'll find all the information you need to work with me one-on-one, as well as get access to my courses, Job Search Field Guide, and The Art of Stellar Interviews. I can't wait to help. I look forward to seeing you there.